business class listeners, you're tuned in to Wisco Weekly, the week of June 1st. Talk. First call with the brakes off, we don't need to see that far Yeah, I see you're a hot thing, I know I'm an option It ain't gonna break my heart We could make a plan instead of talking We could check the vibe I love this jam It's just, it's like some good happy summer music, no? That's Ryan Pruitt Ryan Pruitt doesn't sound much like a musician's name, but indeed it is. Ryan Pruitt, you can find him on Spotify. He's a producer, mixer, keyboardist out of Nashville, Tennessee. And that's the song Don't Feel. And it features Danny Polo and Oros. So that's, you could find Ryan Pruitt on Spotify. And oh, business class listeners, I can't tell you how much I'm looking forward to this summer. With the economy opening up later this summer, towards the end of summer, I think it's like September, maybe August, September, I've already signed up to go to a concert, going to the Ohano Festival at Doheny Beach in Dana Point, and it's a three-day festival. In a lot of ways, this is definitely, um, you know, if Coachella is the punk rock scene of music festivals this ohana festival is more like the it's the coastal scene of of festivals it's a little more sophisticated some of the bands that are playing are are a little bit older and for some reason uh what's his name from pearl jam the lead singer of pearl jam oh man i'm drawing a blank what who's the lead singer of pearl jam this is Eddie Vedder. Good God. Eddie Vedder. Eddie Vedder is playing on Sunday night. He's headlining Sunday. The band Pearl Jam is headlining on Saturday. And then on Friday, which is the night that I'm going, or Friday the entire day, the headliners Kings of Leon. have I haven't seen them in concert. So actually, correction, I have seen them in concert. They opened for Incubus, I believe it was back in the day, a few years back. Uh, I saw them at the Hollywood Bowl. Uh, so anyhow, that's super excited looking. I'm looking forward to getting to a, a live concert festival. You know, I, I don't know how long, many episodes it's been now, but I've been featuring a lot of independent artists because I'm just a fan of music and I, I would always love to come across a new band. And there's something about coming across a new band and when you see them play live. And to me, that is the ultimate judge of a musician. If they can play live, then they certainly warrant a seat to my table for them to be featured on the show. All right. So business class listeners, this is the week of June 1st. Let's talk about what's been going on here. First off, let's digress away from some of the business topics here, but Mayor of Easttown, have y'all seen it? Mayor of Easttown featuring Kate Winslet. I mean, first off, they really, when I say they, the producers, the the executives, everyone really tried to make Kate Winslet look ugly. Whether it was packing on 
some pounds, if it's putting on some blemishes, some moles on her face. They they tried their darndest to make her look ugly, but it is really hard. I don't know. There's something about Kate Winslet and what she, you know, how she illuminates, uh, I guess, maybe the best way to describe it. She's just gorgeous. She's absolutely gorgeous. But she played just a phenomenal character in this HBO series, Mayor of Easttown. If you haven't seen it yet, check it out. It's like seven or eight episodes. And it, you know, it's finally one of those episodes, those, those series that actually has a conclusion. You know, it, it ends properly as if like, okay, you're not left with this cliffhanger waiting to see, well, what's going to happen next. So Mayor of Easttown is on HBO. Check that out. If you get the chance, a great kind of crime thriller uh, series. So that, that was really good. All right. So for this particular episode, let's get into something, you know, I, in addition to talking about investments, which is something obviously I've been te- talking a lot about. And and the theme that I have for this year is make the investment. Maybe I don't say it enough, but hopefully it's apparent because either I'm covering uh, earnings calls, maybe I'm talking to you about particular ETFs, particular auto companies and and how they're doing, how their how their stock is doing. Investing and as a subset of investing, personal finance is something that is very deeply ingrained in my DNA. It's definitely something that I didn't realize till probably till probably the pandemic how much of personal finance and investing is part of my life. And I want to share with you something that if you're in the market for a vehicle, here's something that I just don't hear enough people considering anymore. And this is over the course, I'm basing, I'm basing this anecdotal evidence over at least the last year, certainly because of the pandemic and the economic uh, impact of businesses closing, people being a bit, you know, uh, uh, ex- overextended on their payments and wanting to cut down on all their expenses. When they're, when they're trying to replace their car, many a times I get calls of, well, Dennis, where should I go to buy a new car? And more than likely, I've always defaulted to go to a dealership. One of the things I like about advocating for the dealership is that it is a institution that needs to be compliant it needs to be compliant with the state. It needs to be compliant with the federal government. It has some internal compliance between manufacturer and dealership. So there's a lot of accountability that's one that a car buyer can have when they do business with a dealership. And certainly when you think about personal finance and investing, minimizing risk is definitely a particular area you always have to be concerned about. So doing business with the dealership is always great for minimizing risk. Now, you've, you, you've probably seen a lot of the things going on with regards to the talk of inflation. I've been talking about this for the last few episodes. If it is this current school of thought of modern monetary theory, if it's the consumer price index that's rising, if it's the you know, obloviation of money that has gone into the supply chain, you know, the entire distribution of the U.S. dollar, we've 
injected, what was it like? I mean, I guess about five trillion new dollars into the system. You know, where the United States specifically is running close to about a twenty-eight trillion dollar debt. The Biden administration is talking about a new infrastructure plan, and I'll touch on that a little bit later on how that could affect the, um, you know, the the car buying world. So inflation is. This is something by Milton Friedman. This is something that he said is that inflation is always and everywhere a monetary phenomenon. Okay, so it is always and everywhere a monetary phenomenon. So in regards to car buying, then, I would encourage you to look at buying a car private party. If you're looking to be a bit more savvy with your money, it is wise of you to consider buying private party. Why is that? One, cars are made really good these days. There's not a whole lot of issues that are plaguing cars. A lot of cars are, they've been built in this modular framework. So what impacts one car or model usually impacts thousands of them, which is, you know, you may see that that's a bad thing that, okay, there's a recall on this Honda Accord. There's a recall on this Volkswagen Golf, whatever it may be. But this is also a good sign in that because the cars are built so modular, when they do identify an issue, they can basically say, well, here's the issue with this particular model, this particular year, this is what happens. And then, you know, you can get that, you could get that car fixed for free. So in that sense, cars are built much better these days. And anytime there are issues with cars, they're they're a little bit easier to fix. And certainly if a private party seller is going to list their car with so many issues, well, more than likely that's going to be disclosed to you. So one, cars are built really well these days. The second reason why you want to consider buying private party deals Many dealerships, in contrast, many dealerships are moving to that model of a no-haggle price. What you see on the internet, what you see on their website is the price you will pay online. And you could say that, you know, there's the consumer argument of it, which, which is, well, that's what it should be. Maybe that's not the entire consumer argument, There's, but that's part of it, right? Part of the reason why a consumer would say something to that effect is because they want transparency. They don't like the nickel and diming. They don't like to know that this is what you're asking, but I could get it for lower, and there's just some people who are not adept at negotiating. The dealers have finally come around to say, you know what? Yes, let's let's give all the transparency. Why? Because they have they use a lot of data now. They use a lot of data, and essentially that data is the same data that you would have access to. It's things like looking at AutoTrader, and as opposed to you having to do the manual work of looking through every single search results page of a particular car, engaging, okay, what are the differences between each car? What are the what are the differences in features? And then how does that translate into the difference of price? Well, dealers get that data you know, in a much more programmatic, systematic way so that they can make very quick decisions. So dealers having, moving to this no-haggle price model, and and more of them are, it there just means that you can't negotiate as much. 
And I, I'll, I'll save this for another episode. I think that one is starting to, you know, anytime you get stuck in a particular lane, you kind of rust on your laurels and you get a bit complacent. I do think dealers are getting a bit complacent with this no haggle um, business model, this no haggle price strategy. A lot of it has to boil down to the fact that now they know that this is what the market is asking for it. So what they're almost doing is they're like reverse engineering what they invest in the car now. Oh, maybe we should invest a little bit less so that we can get a little bit higher profit on each car. Maybe not a lot of profit, but just a slight bit more. And so what does that end up doing? That ends up lowering the quality of the reconditioning process before that vehicle gets, you know, um, put on the lot so that a dealer can can sell that. But for the private party side, negotiation is all up on the table. And I'll tell you what, there are quite a few private sellers that they don't even really care to get their asking price. They just want to get rid of the car. Now, of course, if you lowball them, then naturally getting a lowball offer is always going to make the seller balk at entertaining or even countering your offer. But certainly, certainly, if you wanted to offer a less price, they're they're more than likely going to take it. So look, you're looking for a $15,000 car and you offer $14,000. Yeah, it's, that's not going to be an issue. You offer thirteen five. I don't think that's going to be an issue. You offer something around 12, 11, 10. I mean, you're going to really have to find some pressure points on that seller to, to be able to obtain that, that type of selling price. But for the most part, you can easily get some little discount off what they're asking for it on the internet. And the reality is, is that they have to, a private party seller has to list their car in relative price range to what's listed in the market. And that's exactly what dealers are doing. So therefore you are having a little bit of dealers and private party sellers compete with one another. And, you know, along the lines of dealers and, you know, them moving to this no haggle price strategy as part of that trend too is that there's a lot of cars that are especially within the last two years you know two model years those cars aren't even being certified anymore again this is this is another particular area dealers are looking to save money on they're looking to not certify the car because it still has the manufacturer warranty on there they're hoping that you will buy a warranty and in the private party side well okay, that car is not certified either you still get the balance of the manufacturer warranty and you can still buy an extended warranty whenever you want, anytime you want. So the the third reason why you want to consider buying private party, even though it may require a bit more legwork, even though you may have to see the car once and unfortunately sellers just aren't as adept as preparing their car for it to be sold. And I look, let's not blame them. That's not what they do. That's not their full-time gig. But for those sellers that list their car, they oftentimes do not give any additional information about that car. And it can kind of boil down to the vehicle history report. 
You can use popular companies like Carfax. You can use popular companies like AutoCheck. But getting a vehicle history report on that car, if the seller doesn't already provide it, if the website you're using doesn't already include it, then you, you have to go to that one step to get that. And then here's the second thing you want to be able to do after you get that vehicle history report when buying from a private party is you get a PPI. A PPI, this is kind of one of those terms that depends on who you ask, but in a lot of times it's labeled as a pre-purchase inspection. PPI, pre-purchase inspection. The pre-purchase inspection is taking the car to a mechanic and getting a this diagnostic check. This is in the same sense when a dealer takes in a car and then they run it through their mechanic and then they do the 100-point inspection. They do the 50-point inspection, whatever it is. That inspection checklist, that is essentially what the PPI is too. And you can, if the seller hasn't provided that, then that's something you want to do before you buy the car. And it's available to you. Again, you could go to any mechanic. It's usually a, a you know, s- small nominal fee of 60 bucks, 80 bucks. And then at least that gives you this peace of mind before you purchase this car of its mechanical condition. So when you combine both the PPI and the vehicle history report, you can actually have a very good idea of the mechanics of that car. And so through all of that, buying a car private party is a rather safe bet these days because you have good cars, you can get all the necessary inspections that you need, and you can get a deal. And this is, if you don't know this already, if if you needed more, you know, there are social buyers essentially that are out there, right? They don't want to be the first one. They don't want to be the early adopters. Well, I remember coming across this fact a couple of years ago, and there's approximately anywhere from let's let's just call it 70 plus million used cars sold every year. Do you know what percentage of that is done private party? It's roughly 40 million cars. 40 million private party transactions occur every year. So you're not alone in in these transactions and people posting on Craigslist or Auto Trader or CarGurus or cars.com cars and bids, you know, there are millions of people that do this already. So it's not like this is a, you know, this is not a process that you should not feel intimidated by. So that's something to keep in mind as you continue to move throughout your personal finance and investing journey. If you're looking for good deals and look, my dealer audience, they may, they may be, they might have tuned me out already. But the reality is I can make a strong case that if you were to look at wholesale auction values and you look at where the market price is on these cars, and we 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 know this already, right? It's, inflation is always and everywhere a monetary phenomenon. And so inflation has hit the used car. It's 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 hit it. It's been there for about a year now. So it's it's always been there. And the thing is, it's it's not like it's going to get any better. And like I said, there's going to be this complacency also taking place where you're just going to have a lot of these dealership operations that that are not going to invest the type of 
time and resources to properly recondition that car as once before. And it, it'll, it'll, that'll correct itself. I assure you that will correct itself. Part of that correction could be more manufacturers and dealers basically saying, Hey, we're going to bring back the certified pre-owned program that we will mandate that all of your used cars need to be certified pre-owned within the last, you know, three model years. So that could be the correction that's coming. All right. One last thing to share with you here. Let's talk about Ford. Ford, Ford, Ford. Ford's killing it. Their share price has skyrocketed since the announcement of the F-150 Lightning. And I must say, I'm a fan. The F-150 Lightning is a game changer. This is the game changer, not the Cybertruck. The Ford F-150 is the game changer in the EV truck space. Why? First off, number one selling truck for the last however many years. But that's not really the, the key point. And they, a lot of people will say that, and, and that's fine. That makes, that makes sense. It's a highlight. You know, it's a 30,000-foot statistic. What, what this really translates to is think about the, the conversion, the transition of getting current F-150 gas or internal combustion owners and how do you get them into an electric vehicle? It's going to be very hard for them to switch over to the Tesla Cybertruck. It'll be more difficult to try to get them into a brand new automaker like Rivian, even though it looks like they have a pretty good truck. But if you could take all of your F-150 drivers and say, hey, here's here's the, the shell and the technology that you're already fairly familiar with. I mean, definitely the shell, but the tech is, 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 is definitely going to be different, but not foreign. But you take, you know, existing drivers with a shell, with the technology that they're somewhat familiar with, and, this is, and, they, and you say, hey, come on over and check out this new platform, this new electric platform. It's a much easier, it's a much easier line to cross to get to that electric vehicle side. And I, I personally, I like the fact that the F-150 has maintained its truck look. I was looking at the Cybertruck the other day and you know, even the even the the typography of Cybertruck is very punk, and to me, it's just one of those like, okay, it's it. Obviously, I mean, look at it. Look at its you know futuristic exoskeleton. It's not for everyone. The F one fifty that's for everyone. It's the people's truck. So very soon, as a matter of fact, I plan to place an order for one, and not only that. I want to show you how I intend to pay for this. This is going to be part of a new YouTube series that I'm that I'm developing as well, where I want to show folks essentially how to generate some income, how to manage it against their expenses, and then what the end result can be. So one of the first ones that I'm producing is going to be called Need to Make $5,000 for a Trip to Cancun. 
And I'll show you just exactly my process for generating $5,000 so I can pay for a trip to go to Cancun later this summer. And the, the, whole pro, the whole idea of this too is not that I'm going to just take money that I already have. That's, that's, that's easy to do. That's, that's, that's not as fun. I'm going to start with a process that I've been using and I want to show you how I've been able to make or how I will make $5,000 to pay for this trip. And hopefully it's something that you can do too, because personal finance, there's a slow growing economy where you're going to make money. How are you going to make money? Are you just going to rely on your, your primary income? Are there other ways to make money? So this is one of the fun things I, I plan to start releasing on YouTube, on the Wisco Weekly YouTube channel. So making $5,000 for a trip to Cancun that I plan to do with my wife and my, my parents, that is something that I will be documenting and showing you on my YouTube channel. Ford F-150 Lightning. Uh, very good truck. Again, I plan to uh, order one myself and I will share with you when I do order it. Furthermore, as we talk about the infrastructure bill that has yet to be finalized among the House and Congress at large, part of that infrastructure bill, what's being floated around is an extension or perhaps an expansion of the electric vehicle credit. Right now it stands at $7,500 from the federal government. And I've heard talks and rumors of that going up to $12,500. Will that apply to this Ford truck? It absolutely will. If you're a business looking to buy this Ford truck, for your business and apply that credit, will that apply to you? Eh, eh, I don't know. Right now it does not. The $7,500 credit does not apply, apply to businesses looking to purchase or lease an electric vehicle. But if you want to get a Ford Lightning, then you potentially may have a $12,500 subsidy available to you. Entirely different question. If I think that it's warranted, in this day and time, I don't think you need these subsidies. And again, one of the reasons for it is that that subsidy just means you're inflating the U.S. federal debt because someone has to pay for that. And we're just too much in debt. We have too much money circulating around. Inflation is always and everywhere a monetary phenomenon. And so you you have to constantly think about where can I save a buck or two? Where can I make a buck or two? Which is kind of brings me back to why you want to consider in this cycle of buying and selling cars, look to do things private party. If you have questions about selling your car, private party, hit me up. Be happy. I talk to people all the time about this stuff, giving them, giving them tips on how it all works. So you can hit me up on social media, Facebook, LinkedIn, Instagram. Go to the episode page, find my, my contact information there. All right, so that concludes this episode, the week of June 1st. I'll be back next week. A lot of big things coming up this summer. I hope you're enjoying these episodes. If you are, please do give me a like, give me a follow, give me a review on Apple Podcasts. I want to start to discuss not just the automotive 
stocks, but we're going to start opening up Wisco Weekly Show. It's going to get very interesting. There's a lot of different people that I've spoken to that are kind of poking at me, wanting me to open up the show to something that's that that they know I'm able to do, and I know I can do it too. So that's uh, there. There are going to be some some new things, some entertaining things, some just it's, it's all going to be about Whisker Weekly, baby. So thanks for tuning in to this episode. As we end every episode, cheers, prost, lachaim, kipis, nastravi, salut, kampai, mabru, tutsin, gambe, yamas, nastrovie, vo, salute, and saudi to customer experience. Wisco Weekly is providing this information for educational purposes only. We are not providing legal, accounting, or financial advisory services, and this is not a solicitation or recommendation to buy or sell any stocks, options, or other financial instruments or investments. Examples that address specific assets, stocks, options or other financial instrument transactions are for illustrative purposes only and may not represent specific trades or transactions that we have conducted. In fact, we may use examples that are different or the opposite of transactions we have conducted or positions we hold. This site and any information or training therein is also not intended as a solicitation for any future relationship, business or otherwise between the members or participants and the moderators. No express or implied warranties are being made with respect to these services and products. All investing and trading in the securities market involves risk. Any decisions to place trades in the financial markets, including trading in stock or options or other financial instruments, is a personal decision that should only be made after thorough research, including a personal risk and financial assessment, and the engagement of professional assistance to the extent you believe necessary. Business class listeners, thanks for tuning in to this episode of Wisco Weekly. If you enjoyed the show, please do provide Wisco Weekly a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. I'll be here again next week.